Good day, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. I'm Edward, otherwise known as the Lightkeeper. I hope everyone is having a wonderful week, and as I record this, I am slightly tired because the 4th of July recently happened here, and if you are not from the States, that is the big day when the United States celebrates its independence from Great Britain. And apparently now we celebrate this by lighting off as much and as big fireworks as we can find, which is fantastic unless your neighbor decides to, you know, host their celebration at like four in the morning. So anyway, thank goodness that is all over with and I can hopefully get a decent night's sleep now. So... Back to the subject at hand. I, well, I guess before we get to the the subject, the thing that had been turning in my brain and it's been there for a long time, but I got a couple of questions in the old mailbag that arrived this week. So let's uh, let's answer those and then we'll get to the fun the fun stuff. Um, the first question is, what's the difference between a kink and a fetish? And my answer is kind of it depends. It's a lot like the lifestyle. It has a lot of individual meanings. But typically a fetish is something that is linked to, associated with a specific object, a body part perhaps, or a material. Um, So fetishes could be like a foot fetish. Somebody is really into feet. Um, Or a specific object would be Um, The first thing that comes to mind is there are people that have smoking fetishes. Um, Something about somebody smoking is erotic for them, where they like to be the one smoking during erotic play. Um, And then we have materials, which people have fetishes for leather, a fairly common one in the lifestyle, or um, latex is another one that is, is a common fetish in the lifestyle. Now, Fetishes typically also can mean that a person who has, say, a foot fetish, um, for that foot fetish person, they cannot have the best sexual experience if their fetish is not included during the playtime. So if they're getting their uh, dance with no pants on with their amazing partner, but there is nothing foot-related While they're dancing, there's no maybe stepping on each other's toes, whatever, what have you. Um, While it is most of the time rewarding for people, um, because that fetish wasn't indulged, they don't have as, um, as stimulating of an experience, shall we say, as they could have if they had, um, involved a little feet play into the, uh, the experience. Now, kink, what's kink, kinky, or what kinks are, well, that's even more ambiguous. Ambiguous. Uh, Kinks are really anything that deviates from societal norms. Now, this is a big thing. Um, In the lifestyle, somebody could say, oh, you're into uh, having your Having your bare bottom spanked. Oh, that's that's not kinky. I'm into whips and chains. That's kinky. And then over in the vanilla world, you could have somebody who's saying, oh, you did a doggy style last night? That's kinky. So kinky is really dependent on the person, 
where fetish is a little bit easier to define. So that's kink and fetish. Um, the next question that comes in um, was asking me why, when I write my blog post, do I typically sneak in or reference consent somewhere in my writing? And it's a fairly newer thing that I have been adding, but you pretty much will see it almost in every blog post. Not um, if you follow the written the written version of the Daily DS um, so much, but when I just write to write um, on my blog there, the, the items that are tagged under the From the Desk of the Lightkeeper, um, typically in those you will see a reference to consent somewhere, whether it's consensual, say consensual DS or consensual somewhere the word consent consensual comes into it and the reason i do it is for two reasons um, first of all um, in the lifestyle there's a in, in some misses you know this already there's a massive amount of instant experts instant masters they have been on fat life and they have even gone over and looked at a couple of posts on reddit and they know all there is to know about the lifestyle and it's scary because there's so much to know in the lifestyle, especially when it comes to the play side. If it's not done correctly, it can be very dangerous. So that leads to a whole lot of trouble and bad situations. Secondly, when we look at how the lifestyle is portrayed in the media, um, even where they try and get it right, which they don't, but even when they do try and fail, consent is rarely a part of it. In, in fact, if you look at the popular movies, music videos, times where it comes up on TV shows, consent is next to impossible to have it be a part of that conversation or seen in that conversation. And on top of that, the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom reports that one person out of five will have their consent violated within their first five years of exploring the lifestyle. So in my mind, we have a consent problem in the lifestyle. So I do that just on the off chance that I will somehow, some way, reach somebody and they will have a, oh, maybe I need to look at how the lifestyle handles consent moment. So that's why I do that. Now, now we are through the mailbag and it is time to get to the fun, fun thing. And it's something I've wondered for a long time. And... I don't know, it's been several podcasts ago, but did a brief history of, of kink and BDSM and how we got from, you know, prehistoric, prehistoric, uh, BC, um, you know, the days before Jesus wandered the world, um, time to where we are now. Um, by the way, Jesus is a joke, the, before Jesus, before Jesus wandered the earth, um, to where we are now. Anyway, the the question that I had, and I apologize for my speaker going off there. Wonderful how that works. Um, but the question that's been in my mind is the term "daddy." Where did where did "daddy" come from, and how did it come to mean what it means now in the lifestyle? And I never really took the time to dig into it then and it's been something that's been obviously on my mind so I've done little bits of research here and there and well over the weekend I really went full bore down the daddy hole rabbit hole and it is just amazing what I find research fun I'm weird like that especially since it's historical and I'm a history nerd um, even though it wasn't my typical history 
I'm still researching history, and it was a heck of a lot of fun. And unlike your history professor, I am not going to bore you to sleep. At least I really hope not. Um, if that's the case, then maybe I should brand my podcast as one of those um, sleeping programs, like you see ads on TV, you know, listen to this noise for 30 seconds and you'll have the best sleep of your life type thing. You know, it's only $9.99 a month for the uh, for the app. Anyway, if that's the case, I could be making a whole lot of $9.99s a month. So anyways, back to the history of daddy in the, the context of BDSM. But to get there to the history of daddy let's let's start with with where we are today with with daddy and what daddy means because once again it's it's kind of like kinky it means a lot of things to a lot of people even though i think um to the vanilla people doggy style would be um not this daddy would probably be like really super scary to those people i think doggy style is way kinky so anyways typically a a daddy is a dominant um it is not it is not gender specific that means anybody can be a daddy regardless of their gender so understand that although there are people who um are either female or um you know female is their jam that like mommy and mommy and daddy doms are very very similar typically it's just a gender identifier there's not a whole you know a mommy dom isn't that isn't really technically different than a daddy dom it's just gender and so but also understand please that that once again women can be daddies um so don't don't be freaked out if you see a woman out there as a daddy which i guess same way a guy could be a mommy um dom if that was their jam so it's all subjective, subjective, and it really doesn't gender doesn't really matter. Um, but typically, a daddy dominant is a more more parental dominant, taking more of a role, more of a nurturing role, more of a more paternal. Um, would rather provide guidance and care and protection than perhaps be focused on uh, ritual and protocol. Um, although it doesn't necessarily mean that. That ritual and protocol is not important to some daddies are. Um, some people will say that daddies are not sadist. A person can be a daddy dom and be a sadist, just like somebody can be a submissive, want a daddy dom that is a sadist. It's it's a um, it's really kind of what you make it. But typically, a daddy dominant is somebody who is more nurturing, more focused on guidance, care, and protection over the traditional dominant with the traditional dominant being more of a um, ritual protocol focus. Um, Also, people will assume that when somebody takes the title or role of daddy, they are into age regression play, meaning that they want a submissive partner who will be a little, middle, um, or even a baby who likes to role play that they are younger in age than they are, um, of course, we are all understanding that a daddy dominant is d- working with people who are of legal age, doing this all consensually, and there is no no incestual things going on. You're under, you know, it's not actual father daughter. Um, even though there will be people who consensually role play this under the moniker of 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 
of Daddy Dominance, and the first time I heard that, it really freaked me out. Uh, so I would imagine that if you are newer and you heard me just say that, you might be kind of freaked out. Let me explain a little bit behind that so you might calm that freak out. People who typically role play this, um, one member, and these are things that are communicated, discussed, and can obviously consented to beforehand. But a lot of times people who do role play the daddy-daughter side of things within the daddy-dominant spear, it is a way that they are processing healing and handling a trauma that happened in their life. It does not necessarily mean anything incest-related. That it's, it's, that it's not there at all. So we'll get that right out of the way. But it doesn't have to be like the whole age regression side does not have to be part of a, a daddy-dominance relationship. It can be. For many people, it's very rewarding. They, it's their jam on both sides of the slash. And if it is, it's awesome. But it's not mine. But it's awesome if it is yours. Um, so that's just a little bit about, you know, about the um, kind of the where daddy is in the, in, the, in the world of the lifestyle. The other thing where daddy kind of comes into play too is... Let's face it, BDSM or DS, we're, we're kind of a forbidden world, forbidden desires, which does make it more attractive to people. Um, you know, we, we like the things that we're told we're not supposed to have. Um, you know, the easiest way to get somebody to do something they don't want to do is tell them that they're not supposed to like it, want it, or to enjoy it. And they will gravitate to it. If you've ever read... Uh, uh, Mark Twain's, I believe, I believe that was in Tom Sawyer, not Huckleberry Finn. Pretty sure it's Tom Sawyer. Um, he has to whitewash uh, the fence. He does not want to whitewash the fence because it is not fun. So, but he is forced to it. So he is out there whitewashing the fence when one of his friends comes by, and Tom decides to tell him that he is having the best time of his life, and whitewashing a fence is the most fun thing they can do. But he won't let his friend do it. So now, of course, since he told his friend, you know, can't do it, he really wants to whitewash the fence really bad. And eventually Tom gets his whole group of friends to do the whitewashing for him because he sold them on it's so much fun and he wasn't going to let them do it. So in a way, the taboo side of that, the you shouldn't like this, the the Tom Sawyer, I guess, whitewashing the fence, um... And by the way, whitewashing is the old-fashioned word for painting. I know that whitewashing has different meanings now than it did then. Um, and, and so it's painting. Tom, basically, Tom Sawyer is getting them to paint the fence. So just, just be clear on that just in case you, you don't know um, Tom Sawyer. Um, but yeah, it's just the, it's the taboo side. It's, it's, this is naughty. You shouldn't like it. So, But I do like it. And, and, and Daddy can play right into that as well. So... Now that we have a little bit of the history and the meaning of, of what a daddy is, we have to go get in our Wayback Machine or our TARDIS, or perhaps you have a DeLorean in the driveway with a functioning flux capacitor. If that's the case, you have to head on all the way back to 48 till the scandalous two-part 
novel came out. And when I say 48, I don't mean 1948. We are going way back. We're going to 1748. When this gentleman, and I don't know if he was a gentleman or not, but John Cleland um, published a book called Fanny Hill, Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure. Now, if you'd really like to get into Fanny Hill, um, there is a podcast out there called Kinky History, and also on Instagram. Uh, she does great little insightful little little videos, which are always awesome. But just wherever you're at social media-wise, if, if kink and history come together, um, just search for Kinky History and this lovely lady. Um, I can't think of her name. I apologize. Um, will come up. Um, and it is absolutely hysterical and entertaining and educational. You actually learn something as well. But anyways, so in 1748, Fanny Hill, Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure, which is written by a man, so interesting, um, comes out. It's very scandalous. And while Fanny uh, does not engage in um, what we would call you know, daddy dom or age regression play or any of those, those types of, um, types of things that, you know, caregiver little scenarios like we would think of age play or daddy dominance engaging in, you know, in today's modern world, there are, um, there are characters in the book who exhibit you know, paternalistic and authoritative guidance and control, trying to provide, you know, protective guidance to Fanny, while at the same time, you know, in that kinky DS way, protective, you know, guidance. Um, so while it's not true daddy as we would think of it today, we can definitely find, you know, snippets of it hidden in there so obviously the while it may not be have been called that then there were obviously hints of it floating in the world back in 1748-1749 so it goes back at least that far probably even farther um, and then we come forward a little bit to 1791 to Marquet or Marquet or Marquis, sorry, my French. I, I took German, not French. So, yeah, it leads to some issues with French. So it's the Marquis de Sade, and he published this very smutty novel called Justine. Now, Justine is, you know, she enjoys various forms of sexual and physical torment from various characters throughout the novel. And once again, we don't have a traditional daddy dominant there. We don't have traditional age play. But we do see those those themes subtly there in certain parts of the book. So 1791, it's still hanging around. It's still there, and it's still in the naughty culture that is written about a little bit more now than it was before. Not quite as shocking as, as it was when Fanny Hill first came out. But so we, we have that age play dynamic there um, once again not in the way we would see it today and you have to kind of look for it but when you look for it you will see it and let's fast forward again and, and zoom 
oh, we'll call it 80 years. Uh, well, what, 69? Hey, 69 years into the future um, to 1870. Um, this time we get a nice German gentleman, Leopold von Sacker. 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 Sounds like soccer. Sacker. Um, he wrote a novel called Venus in Furs. What is very entertaining, by the way, here, all three of these novels um, have feminine leads, if you will, and they're all written by men. So if that doesn't tell you that even back then men thought they knew how to please a woman like they do now, which is, you know, back then there was, I don't know, it just cracks me up. Here these, here these muddy novels are that are in a way groundbreaking and revolutionary, and yet they're written by, women, by men, but yet featuring women as lead characters because the men somehow know what's going on with women, especially back then. Mm, don't think so. Anyways, it's just humorous. Humorous thing made me cracks me up. But this one in in Venus and Furs, Leopold kind of brings the mommy dom out for the first time. Um, the submissive is a male rather than a female. It's a Wanda. I am not even going to try and pronounce Wanda's last name, um, but it has a Vaughn in it. Um, but anyways, Wanda is the dominant character of the book. And in the book, Wanda is sort of, you know, a daddy dominant, except, you know, Wanda's a female, so we could call Wanda mommy dominant. So we do see a progression, and we do see the role of, of a woman being in a, in a dominant role. And once again, the, the power dynamics that are there in Venus and Furs is not going to be something where you're just going to jump out and say, Yes, this reflects, you know, age play and all the things that kind of get associated with, with daddy dominance now. You're, you're not going to see them overtly. It's going to be subtle. and But they're there. And so it's just, it's interesting to see that, you know, it's been, it's been hanging around since, you know, really, you know, the 17, what, 1750? Before... Since it was just Independence Day, the United States, you know, had its independence from England in 1776. So the daddy dominant predates the United States. It's pretty kind of a cool fact. You know, if I could only get my neighbor to light off some fireworks to celebrate that. Anyway, um, so we go from the 1870s, and we're not too far from the, you know, the 1900s rolling around. And really, the the turn of the century from, from the, you know, from... 1899 we roll over to, to 1900 we could kind of start calling that maybe perhaps the the big daddy era because by 1900 daddy has changed daddy is not just a name a shortened child's name if you will for their father um not a loving you know just a just in that regard um daddy is at this point is going to be a term of affection and intimacy uh, within romantic relationships. Um, and since, of course, back then, everyone was, was you know, it was man and a woman, and, and, you know, all relationships were then because, you know, it's just how it was. But it would be very common to hear a woman refer to their boyfriend or their husband as their daddy. Uh, you know, it started out, I think, as an evolution not as I think, but you can see the progression from my dearest, my dear, 
and, and daddy comes right along with that, keeping the, the D thing going. So daddy round then is a popular slang word for somebody's, somebody's partner. That's my daddy. The other place that you see it and hear it, and it's the jazz age, so you hear it in, in some of the jazz songs of that time, where daddy also refers to people who have positions of power and influence. Um, for example, you know, the boss might be the big daddy, or somebody's favorite baseball player could be, you know, the daddy-o on the team. You start to see daddy as even like we do sometimes we might call a older relative an uncle and they're not really family but they're very close so they're an uncle well back then they would say oh that's a daddy that's my daddy so-and-so even though it's not actually their daddy it's just meant to be that they are that they have a you know an influential relationship with you so it sort of brings that paternalistic side along with the, you start to see the paternalistic position of power, if you will, like a dominant consensually earns from their submissive. You're starting to see that, and you're also now starting to see daddy, you know, being a term that couples refer to one of the partners. That's my daddy. So you're starting to see the, the, the power side of it, and you're also starting to see the, the loving romantic connection there. So when you hear it in the time, in the you know you hear it in the jazz age, and I can't think of the song off the top of my head, but but Louis Armstrong, I know for a fact, and you'll hear it more than once if you go through the catalog of his stuff. You'll hear him say, you know, with his very distinctive voice, "Oh, Daddy O or Daddy." So you'll you'll you hear it in the records, the jazz records of the day, and even Irving Berlin, who I don't think you can get more conservative Irving Berlin is the gentleman who gave us a white Christmas which this July we are all dreaming of I might be a little bit today it is close to 90 degrees here it has finally hit summer and it is muggy as all get out which is not my jam so maybe I'm dreaming a little bit of a white Christmas and bundling up and going skiing rather than just melting if it wasn't for the wonderful invention of air conditioning so it's even mentioned there, so you find daddy in pop culture everywhere, the turn of the century, 1925, and it's also called the Jazz Age. And speaking of the Jazz Age, there's something else that comes out of this wonderful time when you couldn't have a drink, but it was the Roaring Twenties, so you had your drinks illegally, because we Americans, especially then, even more than we do today, we like to drink back then when you said no once again saying no you can't have it made us want it even more so in the land of speakeasies jazz flappers and all of that the roaring 20s gave us the term sugar daddy which of course refers to typically a wealthy older man who provides you know we could call them gifts to a younger person typically in exchange for companionship i love how they say that one. Oh, companionship ah uh, yeah that's what they're providing it's companionship it's just they're just spending such lovely time together so yes out of the roaring 20s gave us daddy and sugar daddies 
but unfortunately, the Jazz Age comes to a crashing halt in 1929, and things start to get a little, a little depresso um, around the world. Um, but fortunately, it's not so depresso for our daddy references. Daddies are still common word for, for you know, boyfriend, significant other. That's my daddy. Also, people in power. Um, Although not so much for bosses, because over, you know, probably about 30% of the world, if not higher, did not have a boss. They were unemployed at this point in time. But in 1938, a musical comes out, and it's called Leave It To Me. Um, Cole Porter wrote some of the songs, if not all the songs. Once again, I should have taken notes on that part of it, but I didn't. Anyways, Cole Porter did write a song, which is famous, and it's called My Heart Belongs to Daddy. So we have Cole Porter writing a song uh, that called My Heart Belongs to Daddy. And when the show originally was done, uh, Mary Martin played the role of Dolly Winslow, who, uh, the way it would be described at the time, was the young protege of a rich newspaper publisher. So apparently protege was the fancy pants word for sugar daddy um and she sings this song about how her heart belongs to daddy and all the other boys out there could flirt with her but she is um not going to follow through in fact she might even kind of flirt back because as she's performing the song she is wearing only a fur coat and is doing this little strip tease, not really stripping because it is the 1930s, but it's implied. And as she's singing this song, she is sort of doing a strip tease in a train station, which back then the train station would be like the equivalent of a major airport. So it'd be like a woman doing a strip tease at, at you know, while you're waiting for your next flight, which I guess where you're sitting could be a good thing or a bad thing. But so that's. That's, you know, she's singing about how her heart belongs to daddy. Now, unfortunately, we go from the Great Depression into the Second World War, which, dark time for the majority of the world. Um, however, as we come out of the Second World War, some secret things start to happen. We have secret BDSM clubs forming all around the world. In the United States, it's groups of, of leather-wearing bikers. Um, that are secretly getting together to to enjoy uh, BDSM. And we start to see some underground magazines and some self-published books about all things kinktastic. That's starting to come around. And in 1960, they decide to make this movie called Let's Make Love which, of course, is the fancy pants words for the 1960s of let's have sex. Let's get it on. And so it's 1960, and you're going to have a, a movie about sex. Who do you want to star in it? Well, Marilyn Monroe. It doesn't get any hotter than Marilyn Monroe then. So Marilyn Monroe stars in Let's Make Love, where she sings the song from 1938, Cole Porter's, uh, my heart belongs to daddy. But she changes the words a little bit. Um, in this time, she refers to herself as 
Lolita, who is not allowed to play with little boys, which very much, okay, we now we've got the daddy thing going on. Now we have a little bit of the age play with the Lolita, and if you think about it, submissives who also identify as littles would say that they don't play with other boys other than their dominant, and in fact, you will sometimes see Lolita, fairly common, um, as a username somehow connected to submissives who are littles. So it's very interesting that we have all of that in 1960 with Marilyn Monroe singing, uh, you know, that her heart belongs to daddy. A little bit later in the 1960s, we have this wonderful thing called the sexual revolution, which really increases openness, exploration of sexuality, and people are now really starting to challenge society's norms and the attitudes towards sex and all things sexy. And we have a very vibrant underground scene. Um, the anti-war movement is considered underground. Um, and you're starting to see those Leathermen kind of coming out from underground, coming out of the closet, if you will. Um, but... So you have more and more people talking. Uh, BDSM clubs are still there. In fact, there's more of them. They are less secretive. They're still very secretive, but less so. Um, they are easier to find, especially in, in big cities. Um, and come not too long into the 1970s, there was an underground magazine um, out there called Leather Times, which I am not sure if it was published in the Chicago area, or if it is just something that um, is now kind of affixed to Chicago because that is where the, the Leather Museum is and this that's where they have copies of the Leather Times. But So this would be 1970s. You actually have written down in a publication that deals with BDSM you have written references to age play and people talking about age play in print. So we know in the 1970s, age play was openly out there and happening in the BDSM communities. So it's kind of neat that we, we actually have some documentation of it in the 1970s. So then we kind of the BDSM world doesn't change a whole heck of a lot until we hit the late 1980s, early 1990s. And the big revolution that happens then, of course, is the, um, the internet comes along. And originally, it starts up, and I don't know if anybody out there will be able to hear my wonderful fancy sound effects, but the old-fashioned days of dial-up modems in the late 80s really brought about the beginnings of the internet revolution when it comes to the lifestyle. People could dial up, connect to bulletin boards all around the world. You still had to pay the charges to connect your phone. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like it was today. Um, if you didn't live back then, first of all, you didn't realize how, you, how slow these dial-up modems were and are hideously slow. Um, even those who might remember the good old days of AOL, you have mail. The late 80s dial-up modems were even slower than that, and everything was pretty much, because of the slowness, text-based. 
So it was a lot of words, but there were BDSM bulletin boards that you had to call typically long distance to, but they existed and it started putting it out there more and more mainstream. BDSM was kind of starting to um, just be lurking in the shadows rather than being a secretive world. It was just now shadowy. So, and then as the internet grew, the, the lifestyle grew with it. It was a great way to connect with others. And during this connection, people are talking about what they're doing, how they're doing it, sharing tips and, and all this wonderful things that happens when you build a community. The online community is really springing to life as the internet springs to life. So that by the 2000s, daddy was a term in the lifestyle that, well, it was, you know, 2000, it wasn't commonplace like it is now. But if somebody said daddy that you knew what they meant, they knew what you meant. Um, but by 2005, it really is starting to become commonplace within the lifestyle. By 2010, it is very commonplace in the lifestyle. And now it's starting to, uh, it's starting to appear out there in the vanilla world. The kinky daddy is starting to appear out there. Um, Orange is the New Black TV series was from 2013 to 2019. There's a daddy in Orange is the New Black. Um, in 2014, the weekend song often, once again, we have, we've got daddy. And then 2015 hit, 2015. And it was a good year for daddy because, well, the film isn't the greatest. In fact, the film is bogus, bunk and how it portrays the lifestyle, but it brings so many people even to this day to the lifestyle. Fifty Shades of Grey, hello daddy. And on top of it, American Horror Story has daddy come along then too so daddy now is out there it's mainstream people who are not kinky people who don't have a daddy fetish know the term daddy and in the lifestyle it's it's very commonplace it's no longer this what's what's it mean to be a daddy can you explain that to me what's age play so it's it's just it's awesome to see how daddy came from from all the way back, you know, in the with Fanny, Fanny Hill, her misadventures, her adventures, I guess, not really misadventures, but adventures in sex from a man's perspective, um, to where we are now, where where Daddy is a very common, common role, and even people who are in the vanilla world understand Daddy to mean the dominant partner in a relationship. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. So that is. Or the history of daddy as best I as I can uh, can determine and researched it. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you do have some questions on daddy or anything else, feel free to uh, feel free to shoot me a question. And if there's a term that you're curious about the history behind it, just scroll down and um, to whatever platform you're listening on and click the um, feedback button and let me know what that term is. It might be fun to do a little bit more of these researching projects on terminology and the lifestyle. And um, also, um, if you can't find me that way, just go really on any social media. Um, I'm excited. Tomorrow, Meta, the wonderful Facebook and Instagram folks, they drop a new social media site. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of deal Threads is. But um, 
I will be on Threads as well as all the other wonderful social media sites from um, Twitter to where my blog is, which is linked wherever you are listening to in the description. And of course, Facebook and Instagram as well. And on Kinky, the Kinky Facebook of the Lifestyle Fat Life. Um, so just look me up there, chatting with the Light Keeper. And don't forget to click the follow button wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And I can't wait to chat with you next week. 